Welcome to the Episcopal Church of the Redeemer's Sermon Podcast. The readings appointed for this sermon are from the book of Genesis, chapter 15, verse 1 through 6, the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, verse 1 through 3, and 8 through 16, the gospel according to Luke, chapter 12, verse 32 through 40, and Psalm 33, verse 12 through 22. May the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts always be acceptable to you, O Lord. Amen. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Perhaps this feels like a continuation of last week's gospel message. Last week we heard, take care, be on your guard against all kinds of greed, for one's life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. Now when on this very night your life is being demanded of you and all the things you have prepared, whose will they be? So it is with those who store up treasures for themselves but are not rich toward God. And last week, Phil talked about this message and talked about what was important was not the wealth or possessions, although we may think it's important at any given moment in time. But what's important is our relationship with God. And as he spoke last week, he talked about our relationship with God also extending to our relationship with love, with those we love. So this week, the message feels a bit of an echo. Sell your possessions and give alms. Make purses for yourselves that do not wear out, an unfailing treasure in heaven, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus teaches us to let go of our attachment to our possessions, that they are fleeting, they're a distraction, and to turn our attention, our hearts to what endures, to God, to love. So where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Many of us have heard this verse so many times that we can repeat it easily. We may not feel so adept at quoting other scripture, but we can quote this one. So what do we treasure? What do we treasure above all else? What is not subject to the whims of circumstance, politics, economics, power, wealth, accomplishment. I found myself thinking about my brother who died a couple years ago. And early in his life, he was very successful by the world's standards. He had started a successful business. He had his family. They lived in a nice neighborhood. He had motorcycles, boats, planes, cars. Life was good. And then, as with anything that can be fleeting in our life, the economy took a turn, and it was especially hard for entrepreneurial businesses. And things became more difficult, and later in life, he's, he had some real health challenges. But throughout his life, he always said that the measure of his success had to do with the well-being of those he loved that it all came down to that all the other trappings made no difference. It all came down to the well-being of those he loved. So while he was a collector of many things, he understood that everything paled 
compared to those he loved. So I share my brother's tendency towards collecting, sentimentality over collecting. We have collected very different things. He collected things that moved. I collect art and books and some beautiful stones. And I have a few beautiful rugs. So have you ever splurged on something that you knew was a little bit more than maybe you feel comfortable spending, but there was something about it that just felt like it belonged in your home or that it was just right for you at this time of your life? And for me, a splurge was an Oriental rug for my entryway at my old condo. And I would look at that and I would think, oh, should I have done that? But, but I really appreciated the beauty of that rug. My son left for college and my cat, Mercy, started using that rug as her litter box. And that's a moment, you know, that kind of calls you to yourself. Beautiful rug, beloved cat. Not behaving well, but beloved cat. And I had to quickly remind myself that nothing could be more important than beloved living creatures. It would be about a decade before I repeated that scenario. There was a rug for my living room. I had no rug in the living room, and I finally found one that I thought was beautiful, and I justified it because I was thinking, I'll give this to my granddaughter when I die. You know, she'll love this rug, right? She'll probably not, she'll probably put it in a garage sale, but anyway, but that was my justification. That rug was in my living room less than a week. When my brother came to visit, it was a big deal his coming to visit because he, he hadn't been well. And he walked into my home and he sat down in my living room and he forgot that he had an open can of Diet Coke in his pants pocket, his back pants pocket. And you can imagine this Diet Coke pouring out all over my treasured little rug. That was the first initiation that rug received. The second one was my dog, Sweet Tea, during one of her anxiety attacks. On and on, I could go on. Beautiful rug, beloved two-legged and four-legged creatures. You know, we have to lean towards the beloved creatures. We can be attached to stuff, attached to having funds to purchase stuff. Yet they are just possessions, just things that can disappear in a fire. They can be washed away in a flood. They can be decimated in a storm. They can be stolen by thieves. And as stuff ultimately that will be given away, it will belong to someone else, or it will be put out in a garage sale or maybe just directly to the trash. If stuff, if our possessions are treated as our treasure, then our hearts may feel constricted indeed. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Moments confront us that challenge us to see things differently. Many of us have experienced those moments with the clarity of those moments in mind. I found myself wanting to turn this verse around. I found it spoke to me differently when I saw it and heard it as where your heart is, there is your treasure.
I think it can help us to start with the heart. The headline stories in recent years have described the pandemic, fires, drought, floods, violence, and over and over. It's almost as if it's a, a major movie production. A gift in the hardships of these recent times may be that they have also helped us to see more clearly what we truly treasure, to understand more fully where our hearts are. You may have seen the article in recent weeks about the 17-year-old girl who rescued her dog during the flooding in eastern Kentucky. She and the dog were home alone when the flooding began in their home. Quickly, water was pouring in. And she had had this dog since she was three years old. And the dog was old. And she knew it couldn't swim against these currents. So she looked feverishly to find something she could put the dog in, something that would float. And she found a plastic drawer, put the dog in, and then the two of them ventured out to, of this house that was filling with water and ventured to where they saw a roof of another home just above water. They got there and they perched on that roof together until they could be rescued. That young girl knew where her heart was. She said maybe it would have seemed foolish to others that she rescued the dog, but she had to. She knew she just had to try. Her family, her grandparents and other family members, were at a house that was a little bit higher, and they could see all of this unfold. They could watch her on that roof for the hours she was waiting to be rescued. They could offer words of encouragement. They could pray. There's no question that they knew where their hearts were, watching a beloved one in such risk. Too many people have witnessed or been victims of violence in places where they didn't expect to encounter violence, be it a country invaded, be it a school, be it a place of just everyday life. For those who have tragically found themselves in the midst of that, or those who have suffered wondering if their loved ones are okay, there is no question about where their hearts are. Their hearts are with those they love. Many of us have watched loved ones struggle or succumb to illness, be it the virus that we continue to wrestle with, be it another form of illness of body or mind. We watch loved ones and we cherish them and yet we are not able to stop their suffering. We are not able to heal them miraculously. Sometimes the suffering is due to choices they make and we cannot make those choices for them. So we find ourselves in that position of simply being called to love. And in those moments, we know where our hearts are. Elizabeth Stone is a teacher and author, and she wrote um, a quote that is frequently offered in different kinds of settings. She wrote, making the decision to have a child is momentous. It is to decide forever to have your heart go walking around outside your body. 
Parents or people who have raised little ones know this, know this sensation of having their hearts walking around outside their body. But I think, I think this meaning is not really limited to just parents of children. I think any of us who deeply love another person, who deeply so much want the well-being of that person, find ourselves very vulnerable. We cannot control anything about that other person's life. We cannot control their circumstances. We cannot control the journey they're on. And we find our hearts walking around in those people outside our bodies. When we experience love that deep, we are vulnerable. And we also are so in touch with that deep human form of love that God calls us to, a love that is beautiful and that is divine. This morning at this service, we are blessed to be witnessing, welcoming two new individuals into the household of God. We'll be baptizing Adelaide May Swery and Jack William Magner. The parents and godparents will make vows on behalf of Adelaide and Jack. And we will all repeat our baptismal vows and will vow to support these very little people in their lives in Christ. The parents, godparents, and families all know where their hearts are in this moment as they gaze on these little ones with such profound love. Jesus shows us where his heart is throughout his ministry and his suffering death on a cross. Jesus is steadfast in his love for this human motley crew of us loving us and continually inviting us to greater love. Yesterday, I came across an old Christmas card sent to me by my stepdaughter. She's known as Grace, and she's been in prison now for many years. Her life was once filled with possessions and people and freedom, and she experienced all of that being taken away. The message in that year's Christmas card was simple, and it felt very relevant to today. It read, God is the strength of my heart. God is the strength of my heart. She was quoting a line from the 73rd Psalm, and then she added, keeping you in my heart keeps me going. God is where Grace's heart is, and she also sees the beauty of that love manifest in our lives as we love one another. She's been blessed with friends and family who have been steadfast, who have held her at a great distance, but held her in their hearts for so many years. Yet she knows her peace, her comfort, her inspiration, her heart is with God. So this morning, let us ask ourselves, where is our heart? There is where we will find our treasure. Let us give thanks to God for the eternal gift of love, the gift of our love for each other. And let us remember where our hearts are.
and live each day honoring where our hearts are. And always, always walk in Christ's love. Amen. <laughs>